Johnny Summers, I am tired from running from a murderous killer, and I want to sit down to have a tasty, tasty beer. Where can I go? Well, if you drove fast enough, he will be walking for a while to catch you. Go to the <laughs> handlebar. They have a great beer selection. Happy hour, seven days a week, 2 to 6 p.m. We're going to get money off draft beer. Dog-friendly and child-friendly patio. Not in that particular order. Uh, check them out. Handlebar, 2070 East 20th Street. Welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema. This is a craft beer and movie podcast based in Chico, California. I'm Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. Welcome to the spooky, spooky, spectacular Halloween episode. This week on the show, we have, very fittingly, our review of Halloween Kills. It's the 12th film in the Halloween franchise. Which or is it be- the third? Or is it the third? Which began in 1978. Halloween Kills is a direct sequel to the 2018 film Halloween, which was itself a sequel to the 1978 film, effectively, like you're suggesting, Johnny, rendering the nine films that happened in between basically non-existent. And we're drinking beers from the local-ish brewery, Moxa, out of Rockland, California. Both are IPAs. The first is a West Coast IPA called Pacific Street. And the second is a double hazy that's what it says on the can. It's a double hazy Imperial New England IPA called Scattered Glow. Yeah, if you find yourself listening this Thursday evening on KZFR 90.1 FM, all you are going to get to hear is our first beer review and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of Halloween Kills. But you can hear the whole episode and 200 other ones all the way back to 2016. That's when we started. You can find them at any of the following places. Yeah, we're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're basically anywhere you've ever listened to a podcast ever. We drop new episodes every Friday morning at 10 a.m. If you do like the show, feel free to leave us a five-star rating or a review. It helps people that haven't heard of us hear of us. That's right. Follow us on Instagram for pictures, Letterboxd for film reviews, and Untapped for beer reviews, all at Fresh Hop Cinema, or go to our website, freshhopcinema.com. Yeah, if you got more than a few sentences, you're welcome to send us a well-worded MLA format email. You can send it to fhccast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Please don't hesitate to reach out. And if you want more of us in your ears, which I know you do, check out patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. That is a place where you can help make this podcast happen with monetary donations on a by-episode basis. We do all kinds of fun bonus reviews. We do crazy wild events. You get first run at merch if you're in Patreon. All kinds of wicked awesome bonus stuff. This week, in honor of Halloween, my favorite holiday, we did a full-length review of the 1978 John Carpenter film Halloween, the one that started it all. And Max had never seen it. I had seen it a bunch. It was a classic for me and a fresh experience for him. So it was really fun to sit down and talk to him uh, as someone with fresh eyes on this and me kind of having to stand up for it and that it's awesome and it's a classic and it's silly, but it's great. So if that sounds intriguing, check out patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. You'd be a lot cooler if you did. All right. With that, Johnny Summers, we are going to dive into our content of the week. Like you said, we are drinking beers from Moxa Brewing out of Rockland, California. For anyone interested, we haven't covered them since episode 166. We drank a beer called Breaking Hues. It was uh, deathly sweet. It was a double IPA. It somehow managed to be both cloying and incredibly bitter. At the same time, I gave it a 5, and you gave it a 4.8 out of 10. Prior to that, we hadn't had their beers on this show since February of 2018 during our Oscar predictions episode. I think we liked those beers, but I didn't have it written down in the notes what we scored it. So I'll just say in general, I think you and I both really dig Moxa. I want to say that the Breaking Hughes review was probably... Um, the exception to the rule. But what are we drinking first? Hopefully we can course correct a little bit here and, and get something delish. 
Yeah, Breaking Hughes was definitely like a surprise because yeah. I've liked most beers that I've had from them. <clears throat> so first we're doing Pacific Street IPA. It's a West Coast IPA that clocks in at 7% ABV. And from their website, we read, Pacific Street IPA is a West Coast IPA brewed with a 5.5 per barrel combo of hand-selected mosaic and citra hops. This beer is free of crystal malts and mild bitterness to emphasize the taste and aromas of the hops. This is the recipe we have brewed the most throughout our small history as a brewery, probably because you all keep drinking the heck out of it. <laughs> a little self-indulgent there, but fine. Um, okay, mosaic, citra hops. One of those is like my favorite hop ever. The other one is one that I am fine with. It's great. I don't know about pairing them together, except turns out, my friend, I do, because I just had my first sip, and I think it's pretty good. I think it's mostly citra heavy. There's some mosaic there for sure, but uh, up front, it smells boozy as heck, and it doesn't mm -hmm. come across quite that heavy, but it is a thick-bodied West Coast IPA, very much akin to the early days of a West Coast IPA where it was bitter, the bitter the better, as maybe hopefully somebody used to say. I'm sure somebody might have said that once. <laughs> That's a bumper sticker, right? The bitter, the better. The bitter, the better. It just, it just, it rolls off the tongue. Craft breweries and on the bumper of Ebenezer Scrooge's car. Right. The bitter, the better. The bitter, the better. Anyways, yeah, this beer tastes like wide. It's got girth. It's, uh, it's definitely like you said, a bit heavy on the body, but it's got a really sharp, pointed, hot presence on the front. Like it's. It's really bright and crisp. Like those hops are just kapow. Yeah. You can tell what they wanted the star of this beer to be. And I think they did it in a way that showcases them really nicely. I think the initial taste um, almost delves into like the so hoppy it's kind of tangy, which mm, I think is sure. it's always interesting. It's like, ooh, okay. Is this so hoppy? It's like just a hair sour reaching that tang or is it just a overwhelming hot presence i've found that some really hoppy beers do that and that just be, might be my palate yeah but i like a little bit more of a subdued hot presence where i don't have that moment where it's on my tongue and i'm like is this what i signed up for okay it is okay good we're good uh it gave me pause i was like uh-oh Something's off here. And then I said, nope, it's just, uh, it's so hoppy. It's got a little bit of a twang to it, but it drinks nice. It's refreshing. It's super dry on the finish. It's got a little bit of a, a mouth drying feel, but I think overall it's, it's a pretty nice beer. Definitely well put together. Yeah. It's not veering into something that we've talked about recently on the show, which is that the bitterness of an IPA and the body of an IPA that does leave your mouth feeling really dry. I think last week you said something like your, your tongue wanted to stick to the roof of your mouth. Yeah. And this is dry on the end. It's got the bitterness throughout, but it doesn't leave that sort of, yeah, like dehydrated tongue vibe that some particularly West coast IPAs can. I'm, I'm super into this for sure, man. I think the citrus aspects are what are most front and center for me. The one thing that could be a turnoff as I drink a little bit more is that heaviness in the body and the mouthfeel. But in general, first impressions, I'm pretty stoked and it's making me feel good about my, uh, my, uh, you know, my instinct towards enjoying moxa, at least in my brain. Totally. No, it, one thing, the first word that comes to mind when I want to describe this beer is it's bright and then heavy. It's bright and heavy. Yes. It's, it's really nice, bright easy drinking, but then it, it does like, if I drink this whole can right now, I would want to take a nap halfway through this episode. That's I can tell fair. Tell me about the can. Uh, the can's really cool. It's got a silhouette of what looks to be a woman with like her hair in a bun. And what did they, they used to call those. It reminds me of those necklaces that they used to wear in like Victorian times when you'd have like a silhouette of a person, like a, a locket, pendant. not like a locket. It was like a necklace. And like they were usually carved out of like ivory or out of stone, oh. and it had like half of a face, like an outline on it. There's a uh -huh. word for it. It reminds me of that. Uh, but the face is filled in with kind of different blues and hues and stuff like that, and a Pacific Street uh, street sign looks like maybe some ocean and some boats, and then the rest is just on a black background. It's pretty cool, man. I like the can. Yeah, I really like. Some artists do this, but and I'm not sure. I don't think Moxa does it on the reg, but I love the use of negative space there. It's like the whole, the jet blackness of the can. And then you get all these colors inside the silhouette of the faces. Really nice to look at. Yeah, it is. Uh, I would just got some information from my research assistant. It love is it. called a, ca a cameo, the necklace. Oh, a cameo. 
Yeah, I didn't huh. know that. It's a yeah. thing. You see them in like antique shops a lot, but it's if you Google it right now, that is specifically what they're going for. All right, well, nice. I'm glad you knew that there was a word for that. There uh, is a word. I just didn't know the word. Yeah, fair enough. I think I think you get half credit for that. Like I know that there's a thing to describe exactly what I'm looking at. And you get yeah, partial credit, I think. Okay, I'll take it. Uh where did you find this beer, please? So I picked up this beer and our second beer both at Curtis Park Market when I was in Sacramento mm-hmm. doing some deliveries for my job. I took my lunch break and went there and I like their deli and I like their beer selection. So I, I rooted around and found some fun stuff and yeah, they get I don't think Moxa distros per se. Right. I don't I don't see their cans around a lot. So I think they must just have a relationship with Moxa that their cans show up there. And I'm cool with that because I see like Alvarado Street cans there all the time too. So yeah, Curtis Park Market, shout out, getting some some good beers in that you don't see a lot of places, which is perfect for what we do. Yeah, I've seen Moxa around town a few times, but now that I think about it, it does seem like it might have been a situation where some great citizen went and got like four cases. Sometimes Mm -hmm. that tends to be people that work at really reputable bottle shops and they'll just bring back these beers to sell. And they just mm-hmm. drive to go get the stuff, which is, I think, a little extra step of of caring about your customer and providing a decent, too amazing sort of uh, product for people that'll come buy it. But yeah, I don't, I don't think I've seen Moxa available readily in town, maybe ever. No, I don't. It's not. I've seen it on draft quite a few times. Yeah, at yeah. the Commons because they have like you know a relationship with the brewery. I yeah, think they they go down and pick up kegs or something, but definitely not commercially available. So. I would say if you want to get your hands on this, A, go to the brewery in Rockland. That's the sure. best place to go. I believe they're doing ordering and delivering online too. I know you can order beers online. It might be for brewery pickup, but you might be able to have them delivered. A lot of people are doing that. Do you have a date on the bottom of your can for how fresh this is? I do. This was canned on 9-2. Great. Yeah, so we're like six weeks out. from. So that's great. It tastes super fresh to me. Uh, bringing it back around to the beer, anything about Pacific Street IPA that you're not digging? Well, like I said, that initial feeling of of wondering if this actually tasted tangy to me that kind of uh-huh. threw me off. Uh, and also just the overall heaviness. When I see West Coast IPA, yeah. I think something a little bit lighter than this, but it does have kind of a big mouthfeel. It's definitely not super chuggable. It's something I'm going to want to sip and keep nice and cold and maybe only have one of. So, so those are some drawbacks, depending on what you're looking for. If you only want to have one beer, like maybe, I don't know, a normal person, this sure. beer's fine. <laughs> if you want to have three or four, maybe like a podcast host that does a show about beer, there you go. might not be the beer for you. So I think there's good and bad points to this beer, but I think it's well-made and it's, it's tasty. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sort of in the same boat for different reasons. I think it's pretty good. My biggest thing is the sort of unavoidable disconnect I'm finding between the lightness and the, and like you said, the sharpness and brightness of the flavor compared with the heaviness ish, like the heavy ishness of the body. It's just not quite right. And admittedly, I've had more of Moxa's hazy stuff. So maybe I'm just making this up in my brain, but I do feel like the sweetness is more in line with something I would taste in a new England IPA. And the bitterness that that's fighting with is kind of giving me a hard time. No, for sure. This beer doesn't feel how it tastes, and it's confusing. It's putting your brain in a pretzel, and I don't necessarily love that about it either. Yeah, why don't we give it a rating, if you're good with that, unless you got anything else on it? Um, No, I'm good with that, man. This uh, We're so spoiled. This is going to be sound like a low rating, but mm-hmm. I don't care. Uh, you come to us for beer <laughs> reviews. This is, uh, yeah. this is like a 6-2. Man, you and I are just falling right in line these past few weeks. For me, it's a 6. Uh, it's, it's super solid. Like... Uh, it, it's tough to to like not feel bad about that, but it's a fine rating. We just get to we get to try so many great beers. I think if you're if you're not somebody who loves to try all sorts of different stuff, and you've had Moxa beers, you're like I love Moxa, you're gonna love this beer. So I feel about Absolutely. Sierra Nevada. There's there's some sense of a through line in the flavor profile that I think I was trying to allude to, and yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'd have to put Moxa beers side by side, but I feel fairly confident. The same way that I would feel about putting like a pale ale next to a an Oktoberfest. I think if you blinded me on those, I'd be like, yeah, these are Sierra Nevada, or at least sure. these are from the same brewery. There's, there's just something about certain breweries that there's just have these consistent factors in all of their beers. That's fair. I think that's safe to say with beer breweries that have like, it's not a specific style in the way that like a style that they brew, but like their style of yep. making beer. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I would 
be hard pressed to say that I disagree when you would say that about like an Urban Roots or totally. yep. you know a Moonraker or a New Glory. Like if you put three New Glory hazy IPAs next to each other, you're gonna guess that they're all from the same place. You might not be able to guess that they're from New Glory, right? But they do have an overall vibe, and it's cool because if you're into that vibe, one plus one equals two. You're a fan of that brewery, so. Like you said, if you're a Moxa fan, you're gonna dig this. But we have such a large sample size, the score has to come down. That's what makes those those eights and nines so treasured. Once again, that is Pacific Street IPA from Moxa Brewing. You have been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you do get a chance to try Pacific Street or any of the other beers from Moxa, we want to know what you think. So reach out. If you post about it on social media, tag us. Why not? We can all meet each other on the internet. That's right. Or email us at fhccast at gmail.com, social media at Fresh Hop Cinema, or rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, for sure do that. Now, here is a trailer for this this week's featured Halloween movie with no spoilers in the next segment, Halloween Kills. Max, roll that trailer. My grandmother was right. The boogeyman was real. It's over. We can't hurt anyone ever again. No one told you. Told me what? Somebody in there? Michael Myers is alive. Stop! You had a knife in your stomach. You and Allison should not have to keep running. Evil dies tonight. I left the door! I'm not just going to sit and watch another innocent person die. If you track Michael's victims, that's a straight line to Michael's childhood home. What do we do? We fight. Let's hunt him down. Michael Myers is flesh and blood. But a man couldn't have survived that fire. The more he kills the more he transcends. Run! Go home now! He's the essence of evil. All right. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the fantastic worlds of craft beer and film. And hopefully you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM. Subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcast to hear this discussion in its entirety it will be available tomorrow morning at 10 a.m on all platforms what you just heard was a trailer for halloween kills our featured movie of the week yeah so this film picks up in the immediate aftermath of the 2018 film halloween so fair warning if you haven't seen that there will be spoilers for at least that that's your chance that film ended with Lori Strode, played here by Jamie Lee Curtis, in the back of a pickup truck with her daughter and granddaughter, played here by Judy Greer and Annie Medichak, respectively, on the way to the hospital after an almost fatal run-in with the dreaded Michael Myers. Myers, on the other hand, is now trapped inside of their house, which they set on fire to finally put an end to the killer. Though obviously he's Michael Myers, so in short order, he makes his way out of their trap to continue his ritual bloodbath. This time, though, the people of Haddonfield, Illinois, a town where quote unquote, nothing ever happens. And one that I think at this point really needs a new slogan, uh, are, having, are having none of it. And fueled by the, the tenacity of Lori and several other Michael Myers survivors, the citizens of Haddonfield band together to form a vigilante mob of sorts to hunt down Myers and vow repeatedly that evil dies tonight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they say it a lot. Um, Johnny, as we mentioned at the top of the show, this is technically the 12th film in the Halloween franchise with a 13th called Halloween Ends slated for a 2022 release. And of course, we're only in, in the timeline of these films considering three of those legit. But as the resident uh, horror aficionado of this podcast, I wanted to start off our conversation by just getting an idea of your relationship to the Halloween franchise in general and where sort of in the genre of horror movies overall slasher films fall for you. Yeah, I love them. I grew up with them. They helped shape the type of movie that I'm into. And like, uh, honestly, they seep into everything from music to fashion, like very inclusive in all of pop culture and many different aspects of 
life. So big fan of, of horror movies, specifically that golden era that we've talked about of slasher films from like, you know, 74 to 89. Mm-hmm. Like the, that mm-hmm. was really in my mind, like where everything happened. And I'm very familiar with the Halloween movies. I think I've seen all 12 and that's a bold statement, but I feel like throughout my life they've been on and I've watched at least 10 of them, maybe 12. Uh, and they've gone many different directions. There's been, I mean, just like the Jason franchise, like at one point, you know, I think Jason fought Freddy and then there was yeah. one that where they were in space and not unlike that, the oh, Halloween yeah, movies right. have been kind of all over the place. Like Halloween H2O, Jamie Curtis, Jamie Lee Curtis was actually in that, right. but it wasn't canon in like the John Carpenter timeline of things. Mm-hmm. So I like them. I think they've been wonky. There's been some wild out there ones that were just terrible. Um, the Rob Zombie ones were completely different. They had his own mm. spin. Like he started at the beginning uh, of the Michael Myers origin story and did his own thing completely. So it's gone a lot of different ways. Uh, and it's nice to see them returning to kind of the Michael Myers that we know from the 78 version in the 2018 film and this one, Halloween Kills. So I think these those three films, the 78, the 2018, and the 2021, fit very well together as a three-movie set. Okay, with that said, what did you think of this one, of Halloween Kills? You know, this was a, a continuation of the 2018. Uh, the 2018 film had a lot more survival horror type stuff to it and it had a different feel i think this movie was amplified in a few different ways one the the gore the gore factor was increased massively Mm -hmm. this was a incredibly violent movie yeah uh and if you're not prepared for that don't watch this but it was really splattery so ready yourself for that also they kind of dealt with some meta things like the madness of the crowd and they tried to like get some like theology and like philosophy stuff in there in a way that was really clumsy and awkward and laughable because they said evil dies tonight probably 300 times and when me and my wife were watching this we were laughing out loud like (laughs) and there'd be like a brief reprieve in the action and i would grab her on the shoulder and be like babe did you know that evil's gonna die tonight (laughs) Yeah, like it just became so silly. So it had this, these weird tonal, not shifts because they were trying to cohabitate in the same space, and it was just kind of confusing, and it didn't really work together. The slasher stuff worked, you know the the formula of crazy killer with a knife sneaking around everywhere and killing people. The the horror element of that worked. What didn't work for me at all was all of the crowd stuff and the drunk people in the bar forming a mob. It just was so unnecessary, and it didn't serve the plot much for me. I think it just exemplified, you know, the madness of the crowd is it's going to be pretty dumb. So I don't know. I didn't buy a lot of that. But as a slasher movie, I liked it. It was entertaining. I think it falls in line with the 78 one. If you've heard our Patreon discussion uh, with the full review of the 78 film, that this is laughable. And I don't know if the 78 was intending to be, but it felt like in some ways this one was. And it it took it out of me for sure. So I'm going to say I really liked this for what it was, but I didn't love it. There was lots of things holding this back from being great. Yeah, so my relationship with slasher films is different from yours, and in horror in general is different, but I've I've come to really appreciate, and dare I say, even like a lot of horror movies, but what hasn't been able to permeate my, um, let's say, attention span or, or interest in general is a slasher film, and I was trying to figure out why that was while watching this movie, because Michael Myers, if you don't know, is, is unkillable. He's like the embodiment of evil. There is nothing in him that I would latch onto that would interest me in a villain. I love a a villain with a cause or some, he's got no, he doesn't have any lines. He like, he just walks around killing people. So I'm sort of checking out for that part. Like I'm not interested in him as a character necessarily, which is why the stuff that you mentioned about them throwing backstory and philosophy doesn't really land for me in this movie. Um, But what happens in slasher movies is you have to come for the slashing. I think that's what you're Mm -hmm. there for. And I'm not a person that has too long of a fuse for watching people get murdered. It's just not like I have a hard time switching that off me. Like, aha, it's all fun. She was stabbed through the neck with a fluorescent light tube. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and they do treat most of these deaths as horror deaths. Like they're not too many that are jokey. Um, like there were in that first one, there were a couple that were at least watching it years and years later felt kind of comedic to me, uh, yeah. intentional or not. But I, I just, I don't know, man, I haven't seen nearly as many of these as you have. I think this makes two the original. And now I've seen this. So I don't have the nostalgia that you do. And I don't love just the slashy slashiness. I don't think this one's particularly well acted. There's a good 40% of this movie that devolves into sort of horde mob mentality. And a lot of that takes place in a hospital and almost none of that works Yeah, in in a couple of situations. It's like, there's a couple of key players here, by the way, you mentioned characters in the bar. Um, and all these characters are basically the grown up versions of the kids from the original. One of his named Tommy Doyle. He's played here by uh, Anthony Michael Hall. And he's sort of like the most gung ho about like, he's like the guy that's yelling evil dies tonight. The loudest. He's and a he lot picked, of fist pumping. A lot of that. And he's just like, you know, darn the law. I'm, I'm, we're executing Michael Myers tonight. And there's some scenes where he is so hell bent on, uh, doing that, that like you could argue that more damage was done in a certain amount of time at this hospital, like at one point he like knocks over an old guy with a cane. I think that guy died, (laughs) which I guess is kind of the point. And I don't think that's too spoilery, but like, I get it. It's a heavy handed message. Like Michael Myers is turning us all into murderers or whatever. And, and a lot of that stuff lost me too. So in general, man, not, not a fan of this, um, even a little. That's fair. And like, there obviously had to be a detective with a cowboy hat. Yeah. I believe he was a sheriff. Yeah, obviously sheriff with a cowboy hat <laughs> just walking around slack john he's clearly not from this town by the way he's just like coming in trying to do a good job and the yeah. people are just losing it so yeah you're not super familiar with them this was like you said your second so overall impressions and vibe and then maybe we rate this before we get to spoiler territory yeah i do have one more question for you um which which is like you, you mentioned this too like we we just both recently watched and talk about the 1978 version and, and mm-hmm. to me so much of this film felt like it was built on the back of a lot of films that came before it, but namely that one. And it was, since I just watched the original, it was really hard for me not to make comparisons between the two, like specifically with respect to the stylistic. And and in some cases, what felt literally like shot for shot callbacks to the original film. Like there's a scene uh, of a person sitting in a car. I'm trying not to give too much away, sitting in a car where another person climbs on top of the car and smashes in the windows that happened in the first one. Yep. Like, does that sort of thing help to make a movie better or does it for you like it did for me kind of just come off as unoriginal? I think it makes it better because you're, you're like kind of acknowledging your roots and like throwing because it was a different scenario, but it was still like the same technique and the same style of shot Mm -hmm. that I think it was, it was fresh enough in this movie that it it played as an homage and like a, a tip of the hat. Okay. Fair enough. I guess that is one way of reading it. For me, it just felt like, this movie seemed more concerned with its like the legacy and everything that came before it. And it just felt like it was kind of riding the coattails of the original Halloween. And, and it just I mean, felt like every time they mentioned Michael Myers, like there should have been a, like a bump, bump, bump. And it's like, I get it. Can we focus on some other stuff? And they were just like, no, we cannot. Yeah. That's one thing that you need to understand, particularly about like slasher franchises. Yeah. They, they love shouting themselves out. Yeah. Like, that's just a thing thing man like it's just so prevalent like it's just accepted almost in movies like this fair enough in conclusion i was turned off by a lot of the violence i thought that the character development was nowhere to be found the plot didn't particularly interest me and i don't feel too invested so i'm ready to rate it if you are uh yeah i think i am as well out of 10 johnny summers halloween kills out of 10 it was a 5.8 oh that's lower than i thought you were gonna go 5.8 okay why is it not making it up to a six it just because like you said 40% of the movie felt unnecessary and inserted in a way mm-hmm. that just felt like it was driving an agenda that had nothing to do with the actual plot of any halloween movie ever yeah so it was like completely off brand and like it just made no sense it was it was really wonky so i'm i'm can't go to a 6 it just it was good like i said for the slasher parts it was good for that but that was not the whole movie and all that extra stuff just took me completely out of it. And it was too laughable. Like it was so silly. It was eye rolly. And if I roll my eyes at a movie more than once, it does, it'll just never be a six. That's a rule that I'll live by. I think that's a pretty good rule. Actually for me, it's a three for the reasons I have said, 
once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, maybe on KZFR 90.1 FM. Halloween Kills is in theaters and streaming on Peacock now, which I think is our first Peacock streaming shout out maybe ever. If you get the chance to see it and you got thoughts of your own, find us on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema, or feel free to send an email to fhccast at gmail.com. Or head over to our website, freshhopcinema.com, sure. for movie reviews, beer reviews, and podcast episodes going all the way back to 2016. To our KZFR listeners, if you want to hear the rest of today's chat, which includes spoilers for Halloween Kills and a review of our second beer from Moxa, plus the unpredictable, always entertaining, <laughs> hot and bothered <laughs> section, head over to your favorite podcast app. Subscribe to us, Fresh Hop Cinema. And to those of you who are already subscribed and listening on your podcast app, just stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Hey, and welcome to the Danger Zone. That is the part of the podcast where we talk about, in this case, Halloween kills, as if A, everybody's already seen it, or B, you haven't seen it, you're not interested in seeing it, or at the very least, you don't care if we spoil it for you. I happen to be of the opinion that if you've seen any Halloween movies, you don't need to worry about being spoiled because basically the plot's the same. At the yeah, end of the they're, day. they're they're all virtually identical. So can we start talking about, I think, the first really gory scene of the movie, which okay. is the escape from the burning house and the fight with the firefighters? Yeah, that was gnarly. What'd you, yeah, what'd you think of it? It was really violent. And there, I liked the first person view stuff, but yeah. man, it, it was. And then they showed the aftermath of it and it was just like parts of bodies everywhere. It was like, oof, this is gruesome. Yeah, I did say I wanted to talk about that, but you've hit on a bigger issue, which is that, especially with the fight at the end, when it's the entire neighborhood fighting him one on one, I don't one on one already problematic. Also, none of those people had guns. I don't understand why, but they also show all these final shots of him just dismembering and destroying people in extreme close ups. Mm-hmm. And my theory is that if you didn't shoot it that way, you shot it from like a mid to long shot, you just see people waiting around for their chance yeah. to get killed by him, like. It's the suspension of disbelief that doesn't work for me here. It's like, I guess if it's 1978, you can drive around in a station wagon with a mask on, staring at little kids in a school, and there's a chance you'll get away with it. But 2018, which is when this movie takes place, no. Like, we've got, like, nobody's using, there's one appearance of a shotgun in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I can, I get it. If you shoot him with a handgun and it hits him in the body, we are not seeing the damage there. Like you, he could walk that off somehow, yeah. but why is nobody shotgunning his face? Yeah. He just blows. And, 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 and the question is, would he Wolverine kind of, and like, just what would happen? Like no one's ever know. tested this over the course of 12 movies. And that pisses me off. Cause it's like, this is what we talked about or what I talked about in the first one. Like she stabs him, drops the knife. And it's like, you are going to die. Your actions are going, you deserve in a sense to be murdered. You're making dumb choices. And that happens a lot in this movie too. Why is nobody just like, we should hit him with a car and throw his body in a morgue and burn it. Like we could do better and he can't yeah. survive that. Right. Like he can't. And maybe that's why they don't do it. Cause they don't want to demystify this. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there is that element of unkillability. I think I just made that word up. That, I like it. Uh, that he carries. And I think that's the mystique. That's the lore. That's just the silly ass universe that these movies live in, dude. And like, you kind of have to be here for it. Like, why are there so many Friday the 13th movies? Has no one been able to kill Jason yet? It's just, it's that silliness that is inherent with these movies that, like, I love. Okay. And that is just so outlandish that they make some great. Okay, well, that comes back to my thing here is, like, at least there, granted, it was 78. We talked about why on our Patreon, why that maybe wasn't as scary to me now. A lot of it was sound design and, and limited technology, whatever. Um, but there were certain moments, I think, well-crafted film moments of scares. And with all of the technological advancements we have now in 2021, this movie still seems less about the scares and the dread of being stalked and like more of an excuse just to show the most brutal kills it possibly can. It definitely and that's got not into interesting like, to me. Yeah, it definitely got into more B-movie just gore fest. Yeah, and it doesn't quite fall into the realm of torture porn because there's there's not a lot of torturing. That made me happy. I was really expecting there was going to be like some pretty tough scenes, but he doesn't seem to to torture people. He just kills them. Not not a lot of slow kills, which in some ways is better. I would prefer to be killed quickly than slowly. Yes. Yeah, I think most Um, people would. I just, yeah, 
I don't know. I'm just not into it. There's actually a continuity error I caught in this, by the way, which is, Ooh, I, think, I love those. Gimme, yeah, gimme, gimme, gimme. Which is, is, is a testament to the point I just made about it being more interested in showing us horrible deaths. But when they discover the body of, I believe it was Marion, who was the nurse from the first movie that the car, yeah, the car scene where he, the, the asylum person jumps in the car and beats her up or whatever mm-hmm. happens again. Anyways, he strings her up from a swing set with a chain mm-hmm. and you kind of see her swinging there. But before that, like, 20 seconds we get a wide shot of the playground you see the swing set there is no body there no shit. i'm not saying nobody there is not a body hanging from the swing set and, and then there and then there she is and it's just like you're so com- you forgot that you didn't do it the first time and then somebody's like what if we hung her body from the swing set and they're like perfect we'll make it bloody as f yeah i don't know yeah i mean you're just reconfirming that like these movies aren't for you and that's okay I ju- but i think there's a better way to do it like that's what i'm saying like the Granted, I'm sure this one is better than a lot of the nine in between these, but the first one, and I think this is sort of the intangible maybe reason that that movie worked. We kind of talked about that a bit too. Is like, why did people buy this? Is because there was a sense of dread and like you were being, being stalked by someone. I hate being chased. Nobody likes being chased or hunted or stalked. And they do that in this movie too, but it's, it's worse. It doesn't work. Yeah. To me. That's fair. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it just, it relied too much on gore and terrible storylines about the mob. None of it worked. That's why it ranked so low. So I'm, I'm kind of with you on a lot of it. Like why this just wasn't good. There's so many better slasher movies. Can I recommend actually a couple movies to you that I think you would really like in this genre? I'll put them on my notes. Um, and I really seriously, especially during October spooky season, we got a week off with maybe even on vacation. If you want some content, yeah. I legit think you would like both of these movies. Um, okay. So the first one is a movie called Your Next. It came out in 2011. I looked nice. it up because I wanted to have a little yeah, bit of data appreciate on it. it. Uh, and it's actually classified as a horror thriller. Uh, and it is... One of those movies where you're like screaming at the TV, why don't you just do that? Yeah. And then yeah, yeah. they, and then like they do that. Like it's oh, actually they do the, like, they do the smart thing. Yeah. They do the smart thing. Nice. Like I think you would love your next. Everything we've talked about and why you don't like slasher films. Okay. I think that one could be one that really turns you around. Um, and another one, a little bit more in the Halloween vein, but also still like really smartly written and like okay. kind of like survival horror slasher type thing uh, is a 2009 movie called The Collector. Oh, I've seen that poster before. It's those two are two of my favorite horror movies in the last like that came out in the last like 10, 12 years. All right. Um, like, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a, a hat in the ring here, too. And I think you've seen it, but for anybody that hasn't seen It Follows, yes. it's it's a 2004, sorry, 2014 film um, that I think does a really good job subverting the slasher genre. It really locks into the, 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 the stalker sort of aspect, but if you've never seen it, it's about basically um, this thing that follows, we follow this, this one girl, I can't think of her name right now, I don't have it in front of me, but um, she is being followed by an invisible to everybody but her thing that is going to kill her. And it takes the form of different people, but they don't look totally normal. They look kind of creepy, but nobody else can see them. But what it is, is that it's like, it's basically, in my opinion, a metaphor for like STDs and like, like sex shaming people. So Mm -hmm. the only way she can get it to stop following her is by having sex with somebody else. And that's how it was given to her. Some dude had sex with her and is like, see ya. I'm I'm on the run now. I'm yeah, I'm tying you up to this chair because I'm sick of this thing chasing me. Like, I think it's just like a big metaphor for shame. I'm not positive, but it's very fucking scary to me. Yeah. Uh, it's on Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm double checking, but it's definitely rentable on. Uh, oh, it's on Peacock. What are the odds of that? It's <laughs> fun. Um, very scary, and hits on something very deeply rooted in my brain. So if you don't, it's just. Ugh. Can you imagine trying to have sex? By the way, when you're being chased by a ghost demon that's trying to kill you. No, you got to talk about it. Performance anxiety. No, yeah. thank you. <laughs> a lot of pressure there. Uh, okay, Oof. so those are some honorable recommendations for slasher films that are different than this. Yeah, and just for reference, The Collector is free on Prime Video, and then Your Next is on Hulu and Prime Video, both for free. So Nice, okay. E- easily accessible. Good. Quick shout out to Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie, who doesn't do a particularly good job. She's a fucking maniac, if you ask me. She's also given some great lines that are just so obviously over the top. At one point, her, I think it's her 
daughter or granddaughter. I think it's Judy Greer. It might be her daughter. She's like, Jamie Lee Curtis is in the hospital. Lori's in the hospital. She's just been stabbed from the previous movie. And she's trying to get up. She's like, just found out that Michael's still alive. She's like trying to get up. And her daughter's like, there was a fucking knife in your stomach. And then she grits her teeth and goes, it's a paper cut. (laughs) (laughs) She's a maniac. She's just, and then she just leaves her. She rips out all of her cords, takes a shot of something that she looks at the camera and says, it kills the pain. And then stabs herself in the ass. And then just goes, ah, and then she leaves in her nightgown. And then, then it's all out bedlam in the hospital. Yeah, I was so hoping she just like overdosed on fentanyl and dropped dead. That would have been so funny. <laughs> Man, I was thinking when speaking of uh, what what we wouldn't have expected to happen, Tommy, again, the, the dude that's sort of helming the, the evil dies tonight crowd with his baseball bat. Mm-hmm. He had a really anticlimactic way of dying. He yeah. finally gets his chance to face off in the in the neighborhood fight club. Uh, sorry. And both hands over his head with the bat. Just nary a peep of concern that Michael Myers is across from him with his favorite stabby weapon just immediately gets stabbed in the stomach. Yeah. And then like, he's dead. It's like, yeah. okay. You know what this guy does? Protect your belly. Like, don't just expose your whole torso. Just, like, and, and I also how there's a scene where, where the granddaughter tries to, cause her boyfriend friend is like getting choked and his neck broken 15 times. She comes mm-hmm. out of the room with a shotgun and is immediately next to Michael and like just gets the shotgun taken. Yep. And that's how they're avoiding him getting shot with the shotgun. He's just, he's just, they, people are bad at it. He's just there. He's just creeping on you. Yeah. Can we touch on one other thing that actually worked for me in terms of emotional beats? What? There is Michael Myers's use of mentally Myers's ill is. people. Myers's is of, yeah. of exploiting mentally ill people. We find out in the very beginning, somebody's gotten out of the sanitarium steals a car. We think it's Michael Myers. It starts this whole sort of red herring of a goose chase. Mm-hmm. And it's this really sort of disturbed, clearly confused and scared guy. And it he's got a pretty tragic end. Yeah. And it almost didn't end that way. Like I was hoping that would have been a redeeming part of this movie. The mob mentality finally dies away. And they're like, clearly this isn't Michael. And it doesn't go that way. They scare him so much. He jumps out a window and explodes basically mm-hmm. on the ground. And then, of course, Tommy shows up and is yelling. He's like, how do we know that's not him? And it's like, I don't know, Tommy. How about the fact that this dude's like 350 pounds, four foot 11? <laughs> he looks like the penguin. Yeah. And it's like, it's not like you've seen Michael Myers at in, in just little bursts because he's sprinting everywhere. Like everybody's seen Michael ev- all the time. He's we so got a pretty, We got a pretty accurate height on weight on old <laughs> Michael over there. Well, at this point, Tommy just wants to hit stuff with his baseball bat and yell, evil dies tonight. He'll kill anybody. Yeah. Yeah, pretty one-dimensional character there. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, just... And then, of course, the movie ends with Lori's daughter also getting killed and everybody mm-hmm. dying except for Lori. And now we're going to get, you know, Halloween ends next year, which I'm sure mm-hmm. we have to see. Yeah, that'll be next next year's Halloween episode. Yeah, it actually probably will. So mm-hmm. maybe watch them sequentially. You can listen to these back-to-back and see if we are older and wiser or younger and dumber i don't think that's how that works but maybe it could be i could be benjamin button you don't know <laughs> you got anything else on uh, halloween kills no nah, i think i'm good then i'd like to have you pour yourself another beer and i'll do the same what do you say let's do it excellent which means we are drinking our second beer of the day from moxa brewing this one is called scattered glow in a scale of one to a hundred it has 8.2 alcohols it's a hazy double ipa and I've actually had this before one time, not to brag. It's been a while. I don't really remember my experience, but why don't you tell me what they have on their uh, website or can or wherever you got this description, my friend. The stars finally aligned and we were able to get, in our opinion, the two best hops of the past two years. A 6.6 pound per barrel combo of Freestyle Hop Farm Nelson Sauvin and hand-selected Strata from Indie Hops makes this beer what it is. Heavy notes of Ripe pineapple and tangerines will dominate your palate. Can we can we talk about how this looks and how just based on appearance, I think you're going to hate it? Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, describe to me what's in your mason jar. Nope, I'm drinking this out of a Pumpkinhead 2017 Xerox uh, pint glass. God bless you. What a, Of course you are. <laughs> what are you seeing? Uh, it looks like yellow milk. <laughs> God, it does, huh? It looks like yellow yeah. milk. Well, okay. It's, it looks so bad. Um, but it yeah. looks like a, a crazy light yellow hazy beer that is like completely just 
muddy. Yeah. Like, man, you can't see through it at all. It's my, like yellow milk. My computer screen brightness is turned up, I think, all the way, and I'm holding my glass up to the screen, and I can't, in the in the middle of the glass, it is not changing colors. It's not changing, well, very slightly, it's changing brightness, I guess, but but barely. This is, is about as cloudy and uh, hazy on appearance that a beer can get, if you ask me. Yep. And, Have, ooh, she thick. Yeah, you tried it. Okay. Um, oh, boy. Yeah. Do you get any of the pineapple and tangerine stuff they mentioned? I could see pineapple, for sure. It smells to me very, very, very hoppy and very bright and not super sweet, but I'm sure if I, especially if I remember right, I don't think that's true. I'm pretty sure it's, I'm going to take my first drink, but I'm pretty sure it's very sweet. I don't think I'd call it very sweet. I would definitely call it sweet, but hoppy, a little bitter, a little dry, honestly, not as juicy as I would expect. Yeah, not, it's actually not. It is super grassy though. Yeah. Very, very grassy, very earthy. Like I'm, I'm mowing a prairie with my mouth. That's a nice, that's a nice uh, image in my brain. Um, yeah, it tastes very, very grassy to me. That's like the, I mean, of course, all the other beer stuff you'd recom- or recommend, you would expect from a hazy IPA is there. You got your, the sweetness for sure. I guess there's some pineapple stuff and definitely some citrus, but there is an overwhelming sense of, yeah, like freshly cut grass that's coming through, which isn't actually a terrible thing for me right now. It tastes kind of nice. Yeah, and it's definitely not as sweet as I expected. No. Which I really like. It so visually, I expected this to have zero balance and just just be way too sweet. Pleasantly surprised right now that it actually does have some nice punchy hoppiness and a little bit of dryness, a little bit of bitterness, just enough juice to let you know that it's there. But it's definitely not the leading taste situation. Mm-hmm. Like I think hops and bitterness are at the forefront here, which is yeah, absolutely shocking. It tastes like a Jamba Juice smoothie that you added wheatgrass to. And beer. Yeah, and beer, of course. It's a carbonated, bitter beer, Jamba Juice smoothie. But but not the body of a smoothie, by the way. That's probably worth noting. It It is thicker, obviously, but it's not as thick as I was expecting, especially for an 8.2. Yeah, this is one of the more drinkable versions of the style that I've had. I think it it hits a lot of the, the IPA notes that I'd want, and it doesn't hit me with all of the negatives that I really harp on in this style that I'm sure you're all tired of hearing about. Yeah, this is good, Uh, man. Yeah, you're right. This is kind of like a a good version of an IPA drinker's hazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to, of course, I don't have the information in front of me, but I'd like to, at some point, make a list of your, your favorite, uh, hazy IPAs, the ones that I would assume tend to be more balanced and maybe not bitter forward, but, but maybe not quite so sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Like the Weldworks beer, Juicy Bits. Juicy Bits would be probably top of the list. I forget that's a hazy. Right? Because it's so damn good and it's not too sweet. That beer's perfect. It's (laughs) It's a 10 from both of us. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good beer. Yeah. They're Uh, they're out there. Negatives. Negatives on Scattered Glow. Uh, The aftertaste gets a little bit artificial tasting for me. Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. almost tastes like a sugar-free hard candy. Ugh. Uh, yeah, which kind of throws me off a little bit and it starts tasting a little just muddled and unsatisfying. Um, so the finish, I think, is is the biggest thing that I don't like. But like up front, it drinks nice, um, nicer than I expected. The the fresh cut grass vibe, that sort of open field kind of freshness devolves for me into a bit of a dirt taste at the end. Which, you know, there's a time and a place, I suppose, for something a little bit earthier, but Mm -hmm. that's definitely happening on the end there. It's definitely kind of veering into the, uh, the shrubs a little bit. Yeah. A little mushroomy. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, not the time, but I'm gonna tell you anyways, I got a hot sauce, that truffle hot sauce. It's called truffle. How is it? Yeah. It's great. If you like truffles and mushroomy kind of earthy tastes. I love truffles. I love truffle salt. It's one of my favorite things. Yo. Yeah. It was, it was a $16 bottle of hot sauce because they use real truffles, but good Lord, if you like truffles, which I didn't know I did, it is one of the more unique, they make, I try to get us, I try to get us some truffle beers recently. And now I even want to try them more because that would be wild. Have you ever had anything with like actual truffles like shaved on top of it? No, man, I'm not from whatever strata of the economy you need to be from for that, but yeah, neither no. am I. Okay. <laughs> I've seen it on TV. It looks yeah, dope. I've seen it in the movies. Yeah. Uh no, but I have had some black truffle salt one time, and that was nice. That was also very expensive. They're very expensive. People are weird. We're just like this tiny little root that grows underground and it's hard to find. 
we're going to say it's valuable. Well, it, it does have a fantastically unique flavor. Everything has a unique flavor. We just happen to have access to all those things all the time. Like if you couldn't ever get eggs, the moment you tried an egg, you'd be like, exquisite. The shit mm, is fire. Right. But like we just have so much of most things. The Like the one time humanity is limited, we're like, we need to charge a thousand dollars an ounce for it. I think I that's know. like uh, flavors in general. Like everyone's wanting to try everything. And if you're into food and cuisine, yeah. like the rarer the ingredient, like the less often you're going to taste it. So right. the more outstanding it is to your palate. Totally. Um, I'll I got to try that hot sauce. Yeah, I'll give you some. This does not taste like a truffle, but it does taste kind of earthy on the back end and not in a great way. So that's kind of a negative for me. Um, most other things about this I really enjoy. I think it's a little bit, little tiny bit heavy. Like I, there's some brightness and some effervescence that I'm digging, but it's being held down by a blanket of, uh, uh, girth. Yeah. I almost get tea vibes as well. It kind of f- tastes like what, um, like loose leaf yerba mate before you brew it, mm-hmm. or like a green tea. Mm-hmm. It's, it tastes like how that smells, that earthy that. tea aroma. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm pretty ready to rate this unless you got something else. Yeah. I think I'm fairly lukewarm on this beer. For me, it feels like a, like a five, four. Okay. Just above kind of average. Yeah. Very middle of the road. Yeah. I think for me, it's a six, which is as, as close as I get to going above, just above average. I don't really mm-hmm. deal into those decimals. So yeah, I mean, it's above average. It's good. I'd have it again. It's fine. Yeah. That's a fair, fair rating. It's fine. That's Scattered Glow from Moxa. You pick this up again at Curtis Park Market down in, is it in SAC? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, but if you get your hands on this, let us know what you think, obviously, at Fresh Hop Cinema on social medias or email us fhccast at gmail.com. It is time for the amazing and the unpredictable and the... Johnny Summers, welcome to Hot and Bothered, my friend. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I am, let me think. I'm okay. I'm pretty good. I'm average. I'm above average. I'm like a seven out of 10. Okay. I think I'm like a, depending on what rating, like scale overall goodness. Yeah, sure. I'm at, I'm at like an eight. Brag about it. Okay. Um, good. Can I ask why specifically? What has you hotter? Do you want to tell people what hot and bothered is? I think we've said it recently where people probably know. I don't want to. If they haven't figured, if they haven't figured it out by now, <laughs> fuck them. I was just thinking for new listeners, but you know, they, they you go listen to the last episode, you know, binge us, go for it. If this is your first episode, welcome. Nice. And also figure it out. Learn on the fly. Um, okay, I'm fine with that. What's yeah, uh, Why are you an 8 out of 10, my friend? Um, Well, as this airs, yeah. I am actually on vacation. We're recording this a little bit early, so I could take off uh, to an island and relax for a week. So I'm, I'm sure as you're listening to this, I'm much more relaxed and mm-hmm. on a beach than mm-hmm. I am right now. So that's got me hot. Fair. Yeah. Uh, also I'm in between shows. So like that kind of makes me sad. Like, so that got, it's got me a little bothered. Like, I don't know what show to start next. I finished the newsroom. Yeah. We, just we, binged, we need to, like, we, we need to of, talk about the newsroom real quick. Yeah. But like, I just binged watched all of season one of, uh, true detective. Cause Shalina had never seen it. Nice. And now we're like, do we start succession? Like, what do we do here? There's, there's a lot of ways I can go. Um, and there's, yeah, there's a newsroom shaped hole in my heart. You're never going to feel that. I should have told you that that's a downside of watching the newsroom. Uh, that yeah. hole stays. You never Will fill it. McAvoy, you're yep. the best I'll ever have. Um, is there a reason you're not doing squid game? Everyone else is. Yeah. Don't you want to feel cool? Part of the conversation? No, I don't, I don't like doing everything, doing things cause everyone says I should. I mean, you, you, one could make the argument you have something of an obligation to stay up to date on current media releases. Have you finished it? No, but right, I've been then. watching an episode a night and I will say, despite all of for my, how many nights? Well, we've, we're on episode nine. There's 12 of them and, and I'm okay. Like so you're almost nine. done. But for all my soapboxiness, I don't think it's necessarily, I'm not sure. Cause again, I haven't finished it, but you might be able to skip it. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty spoon feedy. I think, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but we can talk about it more if you ever watch it. Yeah, well, there's so much content out there. I think just because something's trending doesn't necessarily qualify it as good. Uh, and also, it didn't really pique my interest. It seems kind of done uh, and like a little formulaic. So yeah. I was like, meh. Uh, there's a lot of things that I, I would rather watch. 
Okay, like what? Succession. Oh, Midnight Mass on. Oh, Netflix. okay. Fair enough. I've been I've wanting seen that. to get into that. Um, and Succession. I have been wanting to get into that. I've been on kind of a drama kick. Okay. Since I've finished Mayor of Easttown and then yeah. Newsroom, like I really have been enjoying dialogue and relationship fueled drama and like murder mystery. So sure. I'm kind of more in the mood for that. Uh, and then also like fucking Ted Lasso is done and mm-hmm. uh, whatever. So, <laughs> oh, in the Ted Lasso universe, um, let me look up his name real quick. But uh, by the way, I've I've watched. Um, actually, I haven't since we've only recorded. Uh, like you said, we were doing this in advance. So in the past two days, I have not uh, caught up. But uh, Roy Kent from Ted Lasso, whose whose name is actually Brett Goldstein, has a podcast. What? And I just found that out today. And it's called, um, I believe it's called Films to be Buried With. And he just interviews people about their favorite movies. And I was like, of course he does. Of course. Hey, could he be more cool? God damn it. Right. So I just started it. And I think it's available everywhere. So if you you like, by the way, uh, Brett Goldstein speaks nothing like Roy Kent. He's the most animated, bubbly, fun, positive sounding dude (laughs) I've ever heard. Uh, And it's awesome. Yeah. I love that. He plays the character so well. Yeah. Uh, so fun fact about Ted Lasso, even though I haven't finished it, you should, sir, if you want, you got some time driving, check out that podcast. It's pretty good. And yeah. anybody else? To- totally. So vacations got me hot. Being in between shows has got me bothered. Let me know if I should start succession. If it's as good as everyone says it is. Um, since then uh, it's been more just getting ready to take off and, uh, watching couple Halloween movies this week. Mm-hmm. That was fun. That mm-hmm. always gets me stoked. I love spooky season. And I hope you watch those movies I recommended because I really want to talk about them with you. Fair. Yeah, I'll make a point to watch those while you're gone. All right. That's pretty much all I got. Also, I mean, we'll get into it with my upcoming stuff, but I'm super stoked to watch the Dune remake. Yeah. You know, it dropped a day early. It came out yesterday on HBO Max. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it was, it was getting downloaded like crazy. I'm sure. Cause it, yeah. Because it came out like three weeks ago in every other country. Did it really? Yeah, it's been out. Huh. So, Oh, you know, that just, makes sense. I've seen a lot of reviews for it. And I was like, how are you? There's more people writing about this than usual. Yeah, it's because, yeah, it came out overseas in a bunch of different countries like at least two weeks ago. So yeah. not super surprised just to cut down on piracy. They were probably like, here, let's make some money. Just just kind watch of, it. Make yeah. some money. Yeah. So super stoked to watch that. Max, what's got you hot and or possibly bothered? You know, I've had a pretty good week, man. Um we let's see well for anybody listening i suppose this is about a week ago but i've had a fairly productive week which is not unusual but i i've felt very on top of stuff like i've gone to i've i've developed this habit over the past month where on weekdays i will try to get up early and go to the gym not god forbid to work out but to sit in the hot tub i like to eat in the morning <laughs> and yes. if you're not clear on the best hot tub weather it is the weather that is happening the day of this recording which is gloomy rainy weather Yep. Far and away, just the best. So on my best days this week, I've gotten up and gone to the hot tub, sat in there and read like a book or just drank water and just sat in silence, then go get coffee and then catch up on emails. Like I've, it's been a pretty busy month with gigs. Uh, I think my final count for October was like 21 or a 20 because one got can't. Oh, but then I booked another one. So t- yeah, 21. And it's just been nice sort of falling into that rhythm. So I've really enjoyed that. Had a really cool ish show at the Red Tavern on Monday night and it was very cold out. And they cold to the point where I was having trouble playing my guitar by the end, but I was mm. smart. So I only took my electric, which also pushed me to be a little bit more musical. So I just, you know, it's just like a different avenue to pursue creativity. I so love it. that was fun. Um, at the time of this recording, I've got two shows tomorrow, a wedding on Saturday, which is the day you're leaving. And then a few shows while you're gone. So I'm going to, you know, focus on reading my beer Bible and another book that I got recently and maybe a book on movies if I can uh, lock in the habit. Nice. I love it. Can we just pause for a moment, all you out there listening to what Max just said with me, and just enjoy the beautiful human being that is Max Benardi, because his idea of a productive morning is <laughs> getting up. Yeah. Early. Sitting in a hot at tub. At like seven. Okay. I'm not sleeping in. Okay. You set your alarm. Yeah. 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 To sit in a hot tub. Okay. Yes. And and then go get coffee. But then I come home and send emails. And then I have yes. to watch a movie sometimes. <laughs> exactly. And then I have to I play just, music and drink. 
I just want everyone <laughs> to have this moment with me where we all just giggle. That's funny. And we love you for exactly who the fuck you are. Right. And you're so true to it. And you come by it honest. And I fucking appreciate that about you. And Thanks, man. I just, I love the life you're living, brother. You keep just fucking do you, man. I love it. On that note, this show wouldn't be what it is without the support of one Bailey Minardi. Welcome back to the fold again, Bailey. And all of our supporters on Patreon, we appreciate the heck out of you guys. Um, the handlebar for sure. Everybody who has ever listened to this show ever and let us know, we appreciate that kind of stuff. Johnny, of course, without you, obviously without me and my hot tub glory. You got anything else this week or you want to send people off on the right uh, on the right note? Uh, next week's episode, we're going to be covering the brand new film last night in Soho, and I will be having some Dune coverage and I will maybe too. Maxwell too. Yep, so we'll do them both. that'll be a dual movie episode where we talk about last night in Soho and the brand new Dune film. They're both super important to yeah. pop culture and good movies. So we super stoked for both of those. And then beers are unknown at the moment, but that's fine. We'll drink something cool. Trust. So that's what's next week for now. That's Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. Drink good beer, watch whatever movie makes you happy, and uh, most importantly, always be good to each other. We love you. We'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hot Cinema.